Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Verdecchio. If you'd like to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Yes. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody this morning. I believe God's doing a good work in your life. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about activation. Imagine that. Remember last week I talked about the church? I said I wanted to rename the church NDCAC. You think I'm kidding. New Destiny Christian Activation Center. Amen. Because this year, God's doing something in the area of activation. So we've been talking about activation and what it is and the different words. And, and so I just kind of wanted to go and review a little bit. First week, we looked at aspiration, right? You need to have a little bit of aspiration in your life. You need the desire to do something. Aspiration is a strong desire to, uh, to achieve something high and great. And aspiration just means you want to begin to get out of your seat and do something more than you're doing right now. Amen. There's nothing sadder than a, you know, a 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old that's just doing the same thing they've been doing for the past 30 years. You know, it's time that we step out, that we begin to do something that's different, have some aspiration to do something for God, believe God. Second one that we went over was commission. There's something about a commissioning, right, that God gave us a task to go into the whole world and preach the gospel, that he gave us something to do. And it's important for us to begin to step into a timing, right? There's a time for everything under the sun, and there's a season. There's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And so we have to understand the timings of God. Right now, we're in a season uh, at this church, probably in this whole territory, where you're seeing a move of God, that God wants to do something that's new, and you have to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. You, can't, you can't let it cool down and then expect to get the same results. There's something about doing it. You have to take a little bit of initiative. Initiative is a, an introductory or a step. It's a, it's a leads to an action. It's taking initiative to make something happen. We talked about Jonathan and his armor bearer that went up. And Jonathan said, I just think we need to go up and see what God will do. And they went. And it was a great victory that happened that day. Last week we talked about vision. Right? When vision is lost, death begins. When you, when you don't have a reason to get up, when you don't have a, a purpose, a point, something to do, something to move forth, right? In churches, when they lose vision, they just become religious institutions that light candles. Amen. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> Today's word. Today's word is action. Action. So what is action? You look in the dictionary. The state or process of doing. Something that is done or accomplished. It's an organized activity to accomplish an, an objective. Right? So an action is something that you do. It's, it's doing. It's in your doing. Right? That there's an action that begins to take place. Right? What's the fourth book? What's the fifth book of the New Testament? Acts. The book of Acts. Right? And what is the book of Acts? It's the Acts of the Apostles. That's why they named it what they did. Right? It's not the 
thoughts of the apostles. It's not the doctrines of the apostles. It's not the beliefs of the apostles. It's not the hopes of the apostles. It's the acts of the apostles. The book of Acts never ended. When, when you look in the book of Acts and you go to the very end, it doesn't say the end. It doesn't say now in finality or now, now in movement. It, it, it never ends. Why? Because the acts are supposed to continue. We're supposed to continue doing and being the people of God. Okay, the acts of the impossible, the, well, the impossible and the apostles. Okay, it's, it's not a book about philosophy. It's not philosophy. Okay, it's things that they did. Now, the apostles were pioneers at heart. They were pioneers. And pioneers have a different mindset. Pioneers go when others think and talk about going. All right, if you go back to uh, the early uh, America and the West, you had a group of people that believed and thought about going out West, and then you had a smaller group of people that sold everything they had, bought a wagon, pointed West, and headed out. They, they pioneered. They went where nobody else had gone. They were willing to go and settle a land that was rougher than where they were going from. They were pioneers at heart. They were willing to step out when most people thought the idea was good, but they didn't really want to do it. See, there's a difference. And, and New Destiny is always going to be a church that's a pioneering church. That's a, that's a church that believes and has people that want to step beyond what they already know. Okay? The, the apostles were pioneers and they were marked by their verbs. By their actions. Okay? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a synergy right now at New Destiny to act. To act. The world was changed forever. Because of what they did. Not because of what they thought. Okay, why is this important for where we're at right now? I'm glad action came in. This is number, what, six. And I'm glad action came in where it did. Why? Because you're starting to hear, right, action, activate, 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 activate. People are starting to talk about activate. Have you noticed when you're around the people in the church, you go to a circle group, I'll bet tonight just about all the circle groups are going to say something about activation. Right? Not because they were told to, but it's becoming a part of the culture, right, as we're beginning to do it. Now, here's the danger that begins to take place if we're not careful. It's easier to talk about activation, to get excited about activation, to be stirred about activation, but not activate. To never actually do anything. Because it's easier to be excited about something than it is to actually do it. Right? We, we see some of the... We see some of the things that are, that are happening, some of the bravery things that you're seeing right now uh, uh, over on the other side of the world. And, and it's easy to see that thing and say, man, those people got some guts. I love the, I love the what was it, a grandmother that, that gave the, the Russian soldier the seeds and said, hey, you put these in your pocket. That way when you're buried, they'll have some flowers that'll come up. I, I love that. 
But you know, it's easier to talk about doing that than actually having a Russian soldier standing in front of you with his AK-47 or whatever they're using these days and, and, and to actually do it. There's something about doing, not just talking about it. That there's something about, and God right now is in a season where he's saying, okay, new destiny, let's see what you got. Let's, let's see what you want to do. Let's, let's step in and begin to actually do the things that we're excited about. Does that make sense? It's, like, it's kind of like right now in worship, you're seeing, you know, I'm, I'm halfway thinking about taking out the first two rows. Just take them out. Where's everybody going to sit? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't care. Right? Why? Because there's something about when people go, man, the presence of God was just this, this here today. Well, you ought to try coming to the front and feel what the presence of God is like. Because there's something about when all the distractions of being in the back are gone and you're in the front and his presence is moving and everybody around you is in it, it begins to call. But see, it takes an action to step out of your seat and be willing to say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to step into the presence of God further than I ever did. See, it's action. It's something that gets you out of your comfort zone, out of what you're used to, out of what you like. So there's three things in action that I want to talk about. Three, three verbs. You know, you can, you can look at the, the New Testament, you can look at the Bible, and it's full of action. There's all kinds of different things you can pick. But I thought, okay, I'm going to pick three. Why? Because that's just what I always do. I'm a three-point sermon guy. So the first action that I think is important is to stand. Stand. Standing's an action. Stand. Ephesians 6, starting at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, in other words, you're fighting a fight you're not designed to win. But, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. See, there's something powerful about somebody that will stand. Somebody that will stand. Now, there were all kind of verbs just in that scripture alone, right, to put on the armor of God. Right? You actually do have to put it on. You know, when, when, when the kids, you know, they would do the thing, you know, putting it on, and they would go through all the different motions of putting on the armor of God. And I'm not saying that you need to do that every day, but you know what? You do need to put it on. Don't fight naked. Put the armor on. Okay, and it talks about wrestling. Wrestling is one of those sports that it's, it's a hard sport. Why? It's one-on-one, -on -one, you're in there, and you're just having to wrestle and get in there. It's close contact. Right? It says you have to take up, but then it says you have to stand. Stand. Have or maintain an upright position, supported by one's feet. How do you stand? Just like that. It doesn't sound like much, does it? Stand. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And then it drops down and it says, and having done all, to stand. 
See, there's something about someone that when they get in a fight, at the end of the fight, the winner is the one who's standing. That the devil can throw all the punches he wants. Religion can assault. All those different things. But there's something about when you stand. There's a power in that word. I, I, you know, many, many years ago, God gave me that, that understanding. The way he showed it to me, it's not, I'm not trying to line it up biblically, but the way he showed it to me is when you're in a fight and you're, you're living for God and you're standing for God and the punches are coming and the, the arrows are being shot at you and bombs are going off and everything's going on and it says that at the end, when you've done all to stand, the way he showed it to me was David against Goliath. That at the end of that fight, it says that David stood with Goliath's sword in one hand and his head in the other, and he stood in victory. And when Israel saw that, they began to get excited (laughs) because David beat an unbeatable foe, and he stood in victory. So when you've done all to stand, Stand in victory. Doesn't mean you don't get hit. Doesn't mean that it's not tough sometimes. Doesn't mean that there's not hardships and and tears that come. But at the end of it, see, part of standing is you got to stay where God's placed you. You've got to begin to, and I tell people this when they're new. If you're if you're new and you're looking for a church and you've come by, here here's my strongest. Um, advice for you. The prayer you need to pray is, God, where do you want me? It's it's not, do I like the praise and worship? It's not, do I like the kids' church? It's not, you know, are the seats comfortable enough? It's, It's not, is the temperature in the building enough? Those things are okay, but they're really about us. But it's, God, where do you want me? Because, see, when you know where God wants you, you lock down in that place and you say, God, I'm going to be an anchor. Because when you do that, there's a power that comes from it. There's something dynamic that begins to happen because you've made a decision. You have to stand for truth. That's a unique thing in today's society. You have to stand for truth. It says in John 8, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, it's truth that you know that begins to change you, and your freedom is linked to truth. He said, If you abide in my word. If. If. Well, God knows my heart. No, if. If you abide in my word, what is the word? It's that written book that's been laid out ahead of time for us. If we abide in his word, then we're disciples. Then we begin to understand truth, and it's truth that sets us free. You have to have truth in your lifestyle. See, truth starts with you. Truth doesn't start with someone else. See, so many times when we think of truth, our minds immediately go to someone else. But truth starts in the mirror. Truth starts in the mirror. 
See, because until you can speak truth to yourself, you might not want to be talking too much to other people about it. Until you're willing to look at the guy or the girl in the mirror and stand there. You know, Phil Robinson, he's, uh, whether you like him or not, doesn't really matter to me, but he, um, he's an interesting kind of guy, but he's, he's born again, head to toe, I'll tell you that about him. But he said, you know, every now and then, you'll see something pop up and it'll say, you know, in the, in the media or something, Phil Robinson commits adultery. And I loved his response. Well, duh, I already wrote about that. See, when you are willing to be open and upfront, then the devil can't use that against you. He said, yeah, I did. I don't do it anymore. But yeah, I did. Tell them the devil. Don't hold the secrets. See, what you hide will divide. Let me say that again. That didn't. What you hide will divide. What you keep in here, that's my personal business. Oh, it is. It is. But eventually, God says it'll be shouted from the rooftops. I better move on. I'm going to start throwing stuff at me. It gets better, trust me. Truth is inconvenient. There's really nothing convenient about truth. This is the way. First, I'm going to read Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way and first reconcile to your brother. Then come off of your gift. In other words, what he's saying there is, you got to take care of your business. I know, but I came to church because I needed to deal with something, or I needed to give an offering, or whatever it may be. And Jesus says right here, he says, don't worry about that. Because the greater thing is that you're right with your brother. Go take care of that. And then come back. And the way God showed it to me, I can't help it. I just kind of a builder at heart at some level. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I could almost picture when I was praying, somebody that was working on their house. They were building their house. And they were up on the second floor. And I, I pictured this, this person with a hammer in their hand, and they were driving nails. They were working on the second floor. And immediately God brought me all the way down to the foundation. And I saw this giant crack. When you're working up here and there's a bad crack down here, stop working on this. Because if you don't work on this, this is coming down. See, you have to somewhere understand there's a little bit of an inconvenience in truth. But God, when he shows you something, when something in your soul is exposed, whatever that may be, you have to stop what you're doing and be willing to go work on what he's trying to show you. See, what most of us do, I know what I, it's my tendency, it's probably just about everybody's is, you want to be about what you're about. But God sometimes says, I want you to take care of this. Truth is the word. If you want to know what truth is, it's not hard. You'll have people to tell you, truth is subjective. No, it's not. It's in black, red, and white. It's in the word. That's the truth. You don't move from it. It doesn't change over time. It just doesn't change. I know, but society, don't care about society. I don't care about society. 
I know, but what about people's feelings? It's in the Word. If it's in the Word, it's the truth. If it's not in the Word, it's not the truth. I know, but people are going to feel bad. Yes. Nobody wants to be told they're going to hell. But if it's not in the Word and you're not living for God, it's a plumb line. Right? A plumb line. You take it from the very top. That's 40 foot up. You take that plumb line, you put a weight at the end of it, you bring that string all the way down to the bottom. When it eventually stops moving, whatever point it is at the bottom is directly and exactly straight down under there. It can't change. It's plumb. That's what truth is. That's what the word is. All right? I always have to say, you can't, you can't not talk about truth and not talk about the things that are going on in society. Truth is truth. A boy born a boy is a boy. Amen. A girl born a girl is a girl. Amen. How they feel is irrelevant. Amen. And they can't change it. Amen. And it can't be furry things either. Amen. Somebody told me about furries this week, and I looked at them and I said, What? Furries? I said, What? Yeah, they dress up as animals and they think they're animals. I said, That's stupid. That is plumb stupid. I said, I'm going to look that up. She said, be careful when you look up. You might not want to see when you see. So I, I didn't look it up. <laughs> I thought, I'd trust you. But see, in a society that's more worried about offending someone than it is about telling them the truth. You know, I read an article this morning that said they're starting to run into problems in schools because they're more concerned with offending people than they are with truth, to the point to where they're increasing how many tests are given that are never graded. They're giving them tests and not grading them. Why? Because they don't want to be told they got a problem wrong. You know, it's old time to go, Whew. But they're doing it more and more. And I'm sorry. Two plus two is four. Period. See, when society is not built on truth, on facts, you end up with this mess. Truth, the word of God is truth. If you're married to a woman, you can't be married to anything else if you're a man. If you're married to a woman, that's your wife. That, that's her. God didn't change his mind. God doesn't say, well, you're not happy and she's tough. I'm going to go find another one. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay, the Bible says don't commit adultery. Ever. Just don't do it. If you have, there's forgiveness, but don't do it anymore. The second verb, speak. To speak. Speak is to produce words by means of sound. Such a dynamic definition. <laughs> to produce words by means of sounds. Matthew 21, 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. Your words have power. But they have to have sound. 
Pastor Teresa has her book on confessions, wherever it went. You have to say it. Words out of your mouth. Not thoughts in your head. Prayer is important. Why? Because you say something. Right? You, you, have to, you have to produce sounds to say something. It sounds so basic, and yet, in our minds when it comes to Christianity, we think if we just drive down the road and think a nice thought in our head that somehow it's doing something. Don't think your prayers. Vocalize them. Now, here's, it's hard. When I got saved, man, I, the idea of somebody hearing my prayers just... It was, it was almost fearful. So I like, you know, we had prayer rooms back then that, that were full of people that would talk very, very loud. They would pray very, very loud. I like that. Why? Because I could do my whisper prayer and nobody would hear me. But that's okay because at least it was coming out of my mouth. I tell people all the time, if you're going to pray, at least pray now enough that your ears can hear and understand what you're praying. Begin to vocalize your prayers. Begin to, to, to get some volume to it. See, it's important, three things. We have, to, we have to be careful and begin to exercise what we say to God. Learn to pray out loud. When Jesus was in the garden, he prayed. How do we know? Because somebody wrote down what he said. You got to pray. You got to vocalize it. What you say to yourself is important. What you say to yourself is important. See, what goes on behind the closed doors of your head means something. You have to begin to speak to yourself the right way. This was always the hardest thing for me. It was easy for me to say the right words to somebody else, even about myself. How's it going? Praise God, I'm doing God. God's a blesser. But in my head... Stupid, God can't seem to get anything right. You laugh, but that's the truth. I don't understand what's going on, but God, he loves everybody but me. And I remember those bombardments. See, what you allow going on in your head is important. When we pioneered um, in Commerce City, our first church that we pioneered in Commerce City, Colorado, we were young, we didn't know a whole lot, but we were doing the best we could. And we're working, we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we know God called us to do, and we're, we're trying to do this thing. And there was two events that happened when we were there. We weren't there all that long, but there was two events that happened when we were there. The first one was people begin to leave. Good people. It was a small church. We had 25 people, something like that, 35. And it was, uh, it, it was, a, it was a good you know, work that was kind of going. But I remember when a few people just started saying, well, you know, I just believe I'm supposed to go somewhere else. And... I can remember the effect that that began to have on me. That I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't able to do it, that I wasn't able to do this thing. And then the second thing was when I had my vocal cords begin to stop working right. And, and I had to, to go and go to the doctor, I had surgery, all these different kind of things. And it was really bad. And I remember afterwards I had to go to a speech therapist and, and, I, and, and the speech therapist sits there and she was funny. She's sitting there and she says, talk to me. And I thought, you know, something I can read or something? What do you even talk to you? <laughs> you know, you say that to her and you're going to get an earful. But if you say that to me and I kind of go, 
What do you want me to say? <laughs> so somehow along the line, I don't remember, it's been a long time, but I begin to talk. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you do everything wrong. And I thought, could you understand me? <laughs> and she began to go through all this stuff. And at the end of this thing, she gave me this list. She's sitting there, she's typing, doing her thing. She gave me this list. She said, here are the things that you're no longer allowed to do. And the list was, it went on to the second page, typed, single space. You know, and it was things like, you can't drink milk. You can't talk in the car. You can't drink or eat anything hot. You can't drink or anything cold. Everything has to be bland. I mean, the list went on and on. you can't sing. I said, what do you mean? I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to worship. You can't sing. I actually asked her that one. And then when she found out I'm a Christian, she added one to it. You can never preach again. And I remember looking at her and thinking, you stupid woman. Because <laughs> inside I knew what I was called to do. And I said, I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I know what God has called me to do. And she said the words that, that changed my life in that season for a period of time. She said, if you continue to preach, I give you one year, you'll never be able to say another word the rest of your life. And outside, I said, I literally said this to us, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That's not what I said in here, though. That began to affect me. That began to do a work on the inside of my head. I had two little babies at the time, a two-year-old and an infant, and I remember looking at them, and I picked Hannah up, my daughter. She was two years old. I remember thinking to myself, how do I go my whole life without being able to tell my daughter I love her? See, what it did in here, what you allow inside of your head almost means more than anything else. I begin to tell myself, I can't do this. And when I told myself I can't do it, I begin to change things on the outside. I never said it. I never said I can't do this. I never looked at her and said, I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. But the decisions I made because of what I allowed to roll around in my head begin to affect my decisions and send me down a path that I never wanted to go on. Now, praise God, he healed me. I preach all the time now. And he, he said, but I want to tell you, there was a road, about a 15-year road, that I had to go down because inside that devil just began to whisper and begin to say, you're not called to God, you can't do it. Every time I would think about preaching, I would hear that voice in my head. You'll never speak again. And it affected me. It had changed me on the inside. See, what's in your head's important. You better begin to speak in your head the truth of God. What we say to others is important. When people leave your presence, do they leave uplifted or do they leave feeling bad about themselves? Do they feel like they can actually accomplish something in their life? The third one, go. You're going to hear go over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I've already hit it like three times, I think. You're going to hear go over and over again. Matthew 9, 36 through 38, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, 
because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I could picture Jesus. He's there and he's in this place and, and there's a crowd of people that are there and they have all kinds of needs. They may have physical needs and healings. They may be people that were there that were deaf, people that were lame, people that were blind, people that had leprosy. They, they may have had mental needs. They may have had torment in their head. They may have had those seasons where they just couldn't put two sound thoughts together one after the other and had those difficulties. They probably had people there that had all kinds of need, the financial needs, that they were poor beyond our imagination that there was no way that they were ever going to come up above that thing. There was all kinds of needs that were there. And Jesus took that moment to look at his disciples and say, look at what's here. See the harvest field. See, you have to train your eyes to see the harvest field, not the problem. And even when war begins to break out and things happen, it's a harvest field. It's the ripening of the wheat. I know, but what happens if something happens here? What if, what if they attack our electrical grid or whatever? Then the harvest field gets even whiter. Because it's in those difficult times that people begin to say, there's got to be more. And that you can reach them for Jesus. That when things get harder and gas is $7 an hour, $7 a gallon, and people begin to say, Pastor, I'll never be able to do it harvest field is ripe and you can begin to say God send more harvesters God you've got to send more workers into the field God's here today and I believe his greatest cry is that you've got to have more workers we need more people that can go out into the harvest and begin to tell people that I may not have all the answers in the natural but I have the one that counts and I can tell you this Jesus Christ is the reason that you were born he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins that life may get hard it may get brutal but I can tell you this Jesus will forgive and you'll make it to heaven one day see Jesus isn't the one that just fixes everything but he's the one that fixes the main thing go is the reason for activation if, if we talk about activation all year long and never get outside these doors then it was a failure of a year. If you tattoo activation on your body but you never do anything, then it's useless. Don't tattoo it on your body. <laughs> I could just picture, Panther, I did what you said. No. <laughs> you say, well, how can I go? I'll give you a simple one. It's where we're at right here today. Do you want to know what you can do? If you feel like you want to go, here's a simple one. We're having circles tonight, today and tonight. If you're a leader of a circle, how about you take this year and you lead that circle like you've never led it before? That you take it as an opportunity to affect people's lives, to have impact. That, that it's not a duty that you do every couple of weeks for six weeks or whatever it is, but it's something that you step into and you say, I'm going to be a circle leader like there's never been. 
I'm going to see people saved. I'm going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to see healings take place. I'm going to be a circle leader like I know that it's supposed to. If, you don't, if you're not a circle leader, then how about you get into one? If you are in one right now, how about you be a member of a circle group like you've never been? When you begin to say, you know what? We need more of these. So I'm going to begin to pray in my circle group, raise me up, God. Let me learn how to do one. Let me come to the place to where I say, I'm going to lead one. I want God to use me. To where Doug will come over and tap you on the shoulder and say, you ready to be inconvenienced every now and then? Because the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. It's a true statistic, true statistic that has never changed in Christianity in America. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I want to close with this. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, verse number 1. In the year of King Uzzah, Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So here we have the prophet Isaiah. He's taken to the heavenlies. He's beginning to talk about what he saw in eternity. It says, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. In other words, here you've got in eternity, you've got in heaven, the prophet that comes. And he stands in that place and he sees the Lord lifted up. And a seraphim, a being that we don't even understand. And you can get into what those are. But it was this this beings that were up there. And they had six wings, and the one was crying out to the other one, Holy, 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 holy. And it was so loud. There was such a force that the very doors and the frames begin to shake. See, it's why it's funny. You know, some people, they don't like loud church. They don't like what was happening in praise and worship. They don't like that. Well, I don't know what you're going to do because when you get to heaven, there's going to be seraphim up there that are going to be shaking the very ground that you stand on. And crying, holy, holy. And the power of that image that is there. And in verse number five, the prophet said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When you get before God, some people will say, why were people kneeling? Why were they bowing on the floor? Because when you're in God's presence, you're unworthy to stand. That there's something about getting down on the floor, saying, oh God, oh God, help me, God, help me. And you begin to bow. 
in the presence of God. He recognized his uncleanness. He recognized he could not stand before the Lord of hosts. And then what happened is so powerful. One of the seraphim flew to him. Having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. That this seraphim flew to the altar of heaven. Not the altar, not the altar on earth. But he went and took a live coal from the altars of heaven. It said, and he touched my mouth with it. <laughs> what does that feel like? Oh. It said he touched his mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity, and your iniquity is taken away. And your sin purged. That when he touched him with that live coal, yes, sir. just like that, yes. just like when we get saved, yes. our iniquity is gone. Our sin is purged. There's a cleanness that takes place. And then in verse number eight, he said, and also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then yes. I said, here am I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here am I. Send me. Yes, See, why are you born again? Because God wants you in the harvest field. That once you were a stalk of wheat that needed harvest. But in his presence, in the power of God, you were forgiven. You were cleansed. Sins were wiped clean. Iniquity gone. Not so you can just be happy. Thank God he leads to a life of joy. But why? Because then immediately he heard the voice of the Lord, not the seraphim. The voice of the Lord saying, who will go? Who can we send? And he said, Lord, send me. And then we end up with the great prophet Isaiah, a major prophet in the Bible and the things that he saw and the things that he did. See, God wants new destiny to go, to go. Why does his presence come? Is it fun? I love when his presence comes. Is it exciting? There's nothing more exciting in the world. Why does he come? Because he wants you to then hear the voice of God saying, who will go? And then he waits for a response. And a few of us say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Not when I'm ready. Not when I feel like it. Not when it's convenient. Not when I want to. But God, send me. Send me, God. I'm willing to go. See, reality is activation is all about that. Because if you're not willing to go, then why bother to be activated? It's pointless. It's meaningless. But once you say, oh God, send me, then you begin to step one foot in front of the other, and God just begins to do things because you're willing to go. Every head bowed.
Every eye closed, nobody looking around for just a minute. His presence is here this morning. He's been with us since we first started. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never asked him into your heart. But today I'm telling you, the reason he's here is because he wants to save you. Nothing else matters in life because at the end it's all going to come down to this. Are you born again? Do you have relationship with him? Have you repented and asked him into your heart? It's the only thing that's going to matter on that day. If you're here and you're not saved, but today you want to give your heart to the Lord, you'd signify it with an uplifted hand. Nobody looking around, it's between you and God. I, I, I just want to make sure that we pray for you. Is there anyone at all? You're unsaved. Amen. God sees this hand. You can put it down. Are there any that want to join this one? Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You once walked with God. You once... You once went to church, whatever, whatever the case may be, maybe you were raised in church, but somewhere along the line, you know that you're separated. He doesn't walk away from us, but we can sure walk away from Him. You're hearing your backslidden in your heart, but today, you're saying, God, I need those coals on my lips again. Unsaved, backslidden, you're not right with God. The reason doesn't matter right now. You'd put your hand up. Just put it up in the air. Join this one. Unsaved, backslidden. Not right with God. We want to make sure that we pray for you. Amen. God sees this hand. Is there any more? Amen. God sees this hand. You can put it down on this one. Now, this is the most important part of this whole service. If, if you raised your hand and you, you meant it, you want to do business with God. We want to help you. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come over here to my left. We're going to have somebody come and pray for you. Amen. You raised your hand. You want to get your heart right. Just come forward and come over here. Amen. I need some men to come and pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Now maybe you're here and God's dealing with you. About what activation is. About being willing to, to go. To do your part. Not everybody's called to go pastor a church. I'm not foolish enough to think that. But we all have a part in going. The harvest is ripe. It's getting more and more ripe every day. But the laborers aren't increasing. Lots of people talk about being a laborer. But God's dealing with some today about activating and actually being a laborer for Christ. We're going to stand on our feet and we're going to worship God. Amen. And if God's dealing with you, you can come. You can come over to this side. We'll believe God with you. We'll pray for you. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God. These altars are open. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.